Today's special Zuatneo episode of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor since 1977. Find the best tickets for sporting events, music, wrestling, opera, you name it. And guess what? They have a bunch of great deals on March Madness right now. It's the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to those games. I've had SeatGeek on my phone for two plus years. It is by far the easiest way i found to shop for the best tickets. Thanks to their revolutionary grading system, buy and sell tickets in just two taps on your phone. Everything fully guaranteed. Try it out. Download the SeatGeek app today or go right to SeatGeek.com. And we are also brought to you by the Ringer University podcast. That's where you can find T-Dub hosts Mark Titus and Tate Frazier breaking down March Madness every day this week. Are you doing every day this week, Tate? Yeah, pretty much. All right, every day. Little micropods, you'll get bracket tips, daily fantasy tips, gambling tips, scouting tips. You get to hear Tate uh, pretend it's not absolutely killing him that Duke made a huge resurgence this year. Uh, All that stuff and more, and they will be going at it. I think we're going to do some Facebook Live pregame on Thursday and Friday, possibly. I don't know. We're going to do a lot of experimentation with March Madness this week. But the best thing you can do is subscribe to Ringer U right now. And let Titus and Tate be your buddies for the whole tournament. We're also sponsored, obviously, by TheRinger.com, which uh, is the home of a lot of sports and pop culture and tech and all kinds of other stuff. Content, including my column, that I have been trying to write every week. And I think I have an NBA mailbag coming much later this week. Check out my Russell Westbrook column for la- from last week if you missed it about whether he is the most successful ball hog we've ever had. And I mean that as a compliment. Since I wrote the column, he's he's been a little less ball hoggy. I don't know. They're an interesting team. We're going to talk about that with Zach Lowe coming up. And um, Zach and I, we did a lot of podcasts when I was at Grantland. And then we have not done a podcast. I went and checked since May 2015. So it's been 22 months since the last time Zach and I have batted around basketball ideas concepts themes the whole thing on a podcast it's emotional i'm I'm welling up but first pearl jam All right, taping this, 10 o'clock West Coast time, 1 o'clock East Coast time. On Tuesday, there's a blizzard. Zach Lowe put on boots and a parka and a ski mask and just trucked through New York City to try to get there in his studio for a podcast. It's been 22 months for us. That's how much it meant. Zach, how are you? I'm good. I did not wear a ski mask, and it was actually not It was not that bad. The hail hurt my face a little bit. Technically, somebody pointed out on Twitter it was not hail because hail can only uh, be formed during a thunderstorm, and this must have just been sleet or something. I, yeah. I haven't verified that on weather.com, but something hurt my face, but I made it in anyway. All right. I'm glad to hear that. We're going to talk about the Western Conference. This is going to be an all-Western Conference podcast. We're going deep dive all in. It's a fascinating time. For this conference and just for basketball, we have we have an amazing MVP race, which I don't really want to talk about in the way of, oh, here's who I think should win. Because just quickly, I feel like we we we're, we shouldn't do that for another two, three weeks. It's it's like this is an MVP work in progress to say like, oh, this guy's MVP. That guy's a, I, that's crazy to me. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know what the what the rush is. Um 
you know, I mean, I think I, at the same time I'm leaning in a couple directions right now, but I'll wait and see how the seeds shake out. I'll wait and see how the last 15 games go. You know, we'll see. I mean, it, Oklahoma City is six or seven, probably six. Uh, Houston is probably locked in. I'm not sure what they can do to help Harden's case. So do you care if the Spurs are one or two? Does that help Kawhi's case? I don't know. And then LeBron's sitting there. It's going to be the hardest ballot uh, we've had in a long, long time. Yeah, I was looking at some of the great MVP races over the years, and we haven't really had one in a while where there's been four candidates that you can make a case for. You know, you'd have to go back to, I don't know, 1993, that kind of range, where you had MJ and Hakeem and Barkley and all these different guys, David Robinson, where guys just you had elite, elite future Hall of Famers having peak seasons. 87 was like that with Bird Magic and, and, uh, and early Jordan. But to see these guys, like, you know, I think all four of these guys are Hall of Famers, barring injury. And Durant, really, this would have been a five-man race if Durant didn't get hurt, for me anyway. But uh, it's, it's, you know, since the last time we talked, I can't remember the talent being this deep and to have this many guys either early prime, peak prime, or tail end of their prime. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a boom, right? You didn't even mention, you didn't even mention your boy. Boston folk hero Isaiah Thomas. I know, I can't, I can't take that. I'm the biggest homer <laughs> there is, and even I don't think Isaiah's an MVP candidate. It's cute. I'm glad they chant it, but um, it, that that candidacy does not make a whole lot of sense to me when you compare it to, you know, Westbrook averaging a triple double, James Harden. I, I don't even know how to describe the seasons he's having. Kawhi having one of the best two way seasons I've ever seen in my life, and. LeBron quietly with one of the best statistical seasons he's ever had. LeBron is going to average nine assists a game as a forward, which I'm pretty sure has never happened before. Has there been a forward at nine assists a game before? I can't imagine that's happened. Are you talking to me or are you talking about your little stats crew you got over there? Because I can't, I can't answer that off the top of my head. I assume yeah, you have I an army either. of people over there, a ringer army of people. He's at 8.9. Assist. Yeah. By the way, the most the most fun thing about the um the MVP race, the most fun possible scenario is if Westbrook goes into the last game averaging nine point nine assists and how oh aggressively he would be passing from the opening tip of the game. <laughs> and and stink eyeing anyone who missed a shot. So let's start with Golden State because they hit a little blip and people are both overreacting and underreacting to it. On the one hand, no Durant and Durant did so many things for that team when he was out there. And it's weird to think like that team won 73 and 67 without Durant. And you would think that they would be able to weather the storm without Durant better. But on the other hand, in the 50 plus games that he was in there, he took on so many different roles for that team that it does make sense considering their bench isn't great. Um, They're probably worse from a depth standpoint. It makes sense to me that they've tailed off a little bit, but at the same time, there does seem to be a little Clay Curry fatigue since the All-Star. I don't know if it's small sample size not to overreact or if something more sinister is happening. What are you seeing? Well, their schedule got brutal, right? I mean, they had like seven out of eight on the road and they were bump bouncing between time zones. But no, suddenly no one complains about like regular NBA travel more than Warriors people. I don't know how that is. Yeah. It, it, it's, like, it's like they just had to go play a, a game in China and then England and then they came back on a road trip. That's how much noise I'm hearing about it. I, I just think, you know, it is strange, right, that they feel 
helpless is too strong of word, but the, like the need for Durant is urgent. Where this team has three All NBA players, like I get, like they're not as deep, and like going from. Harrison Barnes to Durant was a huge upgrade, and going from Durant to McCaw and Matt Barnes is a huge downgrade. I, I get it, but there's still three of the top 15 players in the NBA are on this roster. Like it, sh- they, they should be okay. It shouldn't be. I don't care that your bench is like a bad center platoon and some other old dudes and young guys who are not ready. Like I don't like you should be all right with the with those three. I agree, and yet on the other hand, I. I Without Durant, they do feel very 2011 Heatish to me. There's just guys that, like, they played the Celtics last week, and Zaza was out there in crunch time, you know? And you look at that, and you're like, wow. I don't, I don't know if Zaza should be on crunch time in the last three years for anybody who's over 40 wins. So you look at stuff like that, and you look at McCaws in a really big spot. You Clark and McAdoo, they have to lean on, depending game to game, and it really does feel 2011 heatish to me. And then on top of it, Curry's just doesn't feel totally the same. And I don't want to overreact to that. But at the same time, like I do wonder, this guy became a massively famous guy over the last, I don't know, year and a half. And he seems a tiny bit worn down to me. And I don't know if it's mental or if it's just the rigors of what it's like to be an A-plus list celebrity, which he is and all the demands that you might have off the court, things like that. But it, they, they don't seem to have that same kind of joy that they had, especially in the winning streak last year. You know, like when they won the first 25, there's that, that swagger joy thing just isn't there. Maybe it's because they're not winning as much. But that's the one thing I've noticed. It's not, the swagger is not quite there. So what, what are you seeing other than the schedule and all that other stuff? Well, they're just Curry and Clay have missed a whole lot of open shots. Although Clay had a good game recently, um, I think against Minnesota, he had thirty. Um, we, this is the thing with Curry: like the moment that he makes three off the dribble threes in a row in the second quarter, to, whether it's tonight or Thursday or whoever, like oh, he's back, he's back. It's it's all going to be fine again. Um, yeah, their depth is. I mean, this is the, the the Heat comparison is a good one. Like this is the price of having three to four max players on your team. You just can't really, it, unless you nail the back of the draft a couple of times, and they traded two picks to get Iguodala or to get the cap space to get Iguodala. It, it's hard to, it's hard to have a lot of good players coming off the bench. I, I also think. Th- Everyone is in a hurry to exaggerate how deep they were last year. This, this was not a deep team last year. It's not like they've downgraded, like they sacrificed this unbelievable bench to get Kevin Durant. Like Barbosa, Spates, all of these guys, they're like, okay. Like they're fine. But like yeah. anytime Curry was out of the game last year, it was like nail biter time for them. Like, can we survive this stretch with Curry? It's not like they had unbelievable depth. What they really had was like a perfectly nice starting small forward in Harrison Barnes, who they let go for a guy who's now hurt. And that that's really the basic thing that's going on. I think they misspoke it from this from you know, all the typical reasons like the screens, the intensity, the the rim protecting, all that stuff. On the other hand, Bogut's career is, you know, it was heading toward being over and then he actually got hurt. But I he looked a little bit broken down in Dallas, so maybe that was gonna end natural anyway. But what he gave them last year that is the one thing I think they're missing this year is they they had these they had different kinds of lineups for different styles and matchups, right? They could go small, they could do lineup of death, they could play bigger with Bogut. And that was starting with when he went out in the finals, losing that lineup flexibility. I don't think they've ever really recovered from that. Durant, even with Durant, even at the height of how well they played this year, 
you know, they still they still were thriving when Durant and Draymond were basically the rim protectors. And not having that extra little, oh, here's this wrinkle we can throw out, I think makes them more predictable. And that's what I've noticed. I do want, oh, God. No, I was going to say, I do wonder if if – Kerr is going to use the whatever version of the death lineup is available to him is is going to happen more in the playoffs because actually I've been I've been a little surprised how reluctant he is to do it and how he gets forty eight minutes combined out of like four centers every single night or like maybe you'll see that lineup for three minutes or four minutes maybe some nights you don't see it at all I wonder if that's just worth saving that up but yeah I mean look Bogut Bogut before the J R Smith injury in the finals is a good player he's a good player yeah. you can't have enough good players and and. You know, on the when when Zaza, some nights Zaza's good, some nights Zaza they just let him try and finish around the rim or contest late, and he can't do it. And then it's like McAdoo is all right, David West throwing some nice passes lately. It's it's hard to squeeze out points with some of these lineups. Are you seeing deterioration from Iguodala? Um, I I just think it's the same thing we've seen last year. Like he'll bring it when he'll bring more effort when when it matters but yeah I mean it's it's inevitable that he's not going to be the same player and he's not as 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 explosive or consistently explosive a finisher anymore like he gets a little spooked in traffic sometimes like like against Oklahoma City for instance yeah um he's are Iggy's still a really important part of their team I just there are going to be games where he's going to score two points that's just what he is now if you're playing them in the playoffs you're just leaving him open right I don't think it's an Andre Robertson situation but <laughs> I think it's it's that's the guy that teams are just gonna be like, all right, beat us, please. Well, that's the thing when they're fully healthy. Like Draymond Green gets annoyed at this anytime a coach. These coaches have to talk like shoot around pregame, postgame about like that day's opponent, and like inevitably they're gonna be asked like, oh, how do you guard the Warriors? Who do you leave open? What happens? And they bring up Draymond Green. Like, yeah, I mean, if it's pick our poison time, we're gonna let Draymond shoot. And he's shooting 32% from deep. He's a career 33.5% shooter. He's a below-average three-point shooter. When they have everyone on the floor, you should probably leave Draymond Green open. And people, coaches say that, and Draymond Green acts as if they've said, well, Draymond Green stinks. Like, he's the worst player in the NBA. He gets, he gets, he's, like, outraged. Every every week he's outraged about it. Like, no, you're shooting 32%, and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson are on your team. They should probably let you shoot. Yeah. I remember when I was doing TV – during the first time he was playing in the playoff series, we talked about on uh, on countdown, like, yeah, you got to leave Draymond Green. Like, he's not going to make threes because you're shooting like 18% that season. And he got mad and went at me on Twitter. And this was when he couldn't even make any three-pointers. But I think that's part of what makes him Draymond Green. He's, you know, has a very high confidence in himself. But so one thing I noticed with Golden State, and I don't think people pay attention to this stuff enough, right? So... This is year three of this three-year three run they've had. They won 67 in 2015 and went all the way through to the finals and won in six. Then last year, they win 73. They go all the way through the finals. They lose in game seven. So this is year three of that run. And if you look at the history of, of when this has happened, first of all, only I went through, I think, since the ABA-NBA merger in the last 40 years, only three other teams have won 62 plus three straight years. Can you name the three teams? 62 plus three years in a row? Yeah. Well, the the Bulls, the the post MJ comeback Bulls, right? Or did they no, weren't yeah. they in the 50s one year? No, that's no. one of them. 72, 69, 62 in year 3. Okay. So that was one. Um boy, oh boy. 
I know. You have to go back. Eighty Celtics, go to the Celtics or Lakers. Yeah, one of those two teams, Celtics or Lakers. Both of them. So both of them. Eighty-five to eighty-eight Lakers. Sixty-two, sixty-two, sixty-five, sixty-two. Woo, woo. Yeah, and then the eighty-four to eighty-six Celtics. Sixty-two, sixty-three, sixty-seven. Yeah, but the then apex you, bird. The apex bird years. Right, but if you go through the rest of it. It's it's really really hard to win to basically have twenty losses or less for three straight seasons, especially when you throw in the finals. And I think like, you know, you think about these my those Miami teams that LeBron was on, and you go, wow, the, what a run that was! That was amazing. I went and looked at their records. I was surprised that their record wasn't better. They went fifty eight and twenty four the first year, forty six and twenty in the lockout year. So that was on pace for twenty five twenty six losses. The third year was the good year. That was when they were 66 and 16, and they had the streak, the whole thing. But remember, they wore down in the in the last two rounds and barely held on for to win the title, which they probably shouldn't have won. And then the fourth year is 54 wins. And you go through, like, the KG Celtics, the Kobe Lakers, 09 to 11, 65, 57, 57. The Suns with Nash, 62, 54, 61. It's just hard to consistently win year after year for three straight years or more when you have that bullseye. And that's the thing I wonder if they're going to get worn down a little bit. That bullseye, game after game, every game you play is the biggest game of the year for the other team. And maybe that's what we're starting to see with Curry and Clay. Like it's like it's if you're playing in a playoff game for three straight years, at some point that's going to have an effect on you. Now I don't know how much of this is Durant, but what do you think of that theory though? Well, I don't think I don't know how anyone could be surprised anymore or overlook it after the Heat, right? I mean, the Heat by year four were openly talking about how freaking tired they were, and by the yeah. end of that, the Spurs just ran them off the floor, and they just you know we just we had nothing left at that point. Like that's that's a real thing. That's a lot of games, and that's why they're gonna do things like they did on Saturday, where they arrested all the important players on the team. It's it's and they've been strangely one of the things I think that is kind of charming about the Warriors is that, is that even in these like 67, 73 win years, they get into the playoffs and the game gets a little harder for them. And they they've had moments where like you can see it get in their head a little bit. It was in their head against the Thunder. It was in their head two years ago when the Grizzlies were up two one against them and they were like like Curry and Clay were pump faking like like nobody was even there and they were pump faking right. in Game Three of that series in Memphis. It's why yeah. it's actually I, I don't mean this like like um uh, this is not condescending. It actually does make them more charming to me. Like they had there is some like mental vulnerability that's totally normal on that team that you wouldn't necessarily think you'd see on a 73 and 67 win team that makes that makes them more likable to me like no matter how good they are this year with Durant they're gonna have a moment in the playoffs where it's 1-1 or 2-1 or 2-2 and it's gonna be difficult for them and it's gonna be fun to see sort of how they how they look because they're like they're like a loose and easy kind of team that's one of the reasons why they like Draymond and they they tolerate what Draymond is because they're like we need someone on this team who gets pissed off and and like just you know is like has some rage in them like that's just not how the team is I think it's kind of interesting I'm with you and I and I also think just what they're doing we've never seen a team that relies this much on (laughs) shots that are taken from 24 to 30 feet and it's just not as easy as you know these other where LeBron every once in a while can be like all right I'm gonna do a LeBron thing I'm just getting us a basket they they it's never been as easy for this Golden State team. Even when you look at all the offensive efficiency stats and the per one hundred, all that stuff, I get it. But you think you just think of those last five minutes against Cleveland in Game Seven, 
when the defense went to this whole other level and it was really hard for them to get a great shot. And I think that's the difference with Durant. I the the, the fascinating wrinkle for the Warriors this year at Durant for me was when they post him up. It's it's kinda it's kinda like, oh Jesus. You know, and I and I almost feel like they've been rationing it out before he got hurt. Like they didn't really go to it too much, but I think that's kind of their their secret weapon. And I I haven't talked to you really since they got Durant, just as somebody who loves basketball. It it really was amazing to watch him on this Warriors team. Like I I, I told I'm totally all in on the Westbrook Durant divorce because it led to the Westbrook triple double trace on one hand. And then Durant playing with this team and just going to another level as a basketball player. How much did you love it? You know, it's funny. Um, it's fun to watch. And I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a player get like 30 more easily than 2016, 17 Kevin Durant. Like he just like kind of walks into 30 points of like dunks and wide open shots. And you're like, my God, that yeah. was the easiest 30 points I've ever seen. It did get a little boring for me when they were just so good and they would have these runs where you would just think no one is ever going to touch this team. But yeah, I, and and that's a, another interesting thing about them. You mentioned the rationing. Like, I agree with you. I think they've rationed that, the post-up stuff. I mean, he's their answer to what you said before. Like, when it gets a little harder, who's their bucket getter? Who's the guy who can just get buckets? That's what Durant was supposed to be. And we haven't seen a lot of, like, Go get us a bucket or Curry Durant pick and roll. Get a switch and exploit that switch. Like slow it down and play like Cleveland was able to play. That's the card that sort of everyone thought that would be Durant's point on the team other than just making the team more awesome. And I do think if he's healthy, we'll see that at, at times in the playoffs. Is is there any chance Portland, if that's the eight seed, and I think Portland is going to get it because of the incredible Nurkic trade, which – uh I got to say, I watch a lot of basketball. I did not see the Nurkic Portland Renaissance coming. And maybe maybe it's a good lesson because um, he was completely miscast with the lineups they were putting him in in Denver and all that stuff. And it just him and Jokic didn't work together. Just just be just, just be ready for the Nurkic, like the first time that adversity hits and he gets benched or like he eats too much one night on the road. Like there's, it's not all going to be peaches and cream for Nurkic in Portland. It's coming and we'll see how he responds to it. But yes, it's worked out very well for oh, him. I, a very interesting warning from Zach Lowe. I wasn't expecting that. There, there's no chance if Durant's at 72% in round one and he's not 100% yet, and Lillard, who has been on fire since the All-Star break and I think probably read one too many tweets or pieces in a column about how C.J. McCollum was actually the best player on that team. Uh, I don't know. That team could, could just try to outscore Golden State and at least make them work a little bit in round one. Could you see them in any sort of round one, maybe it goes to seven games type of danger if Durant's not 100% healthy? No. Can I just say no? Okay. No. Okay. No. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just trying I'm trying to trying to find a way to get interested in round one. Because Jazz Clippers, watched, that's how you get interested in round one. Jazz Clippers. Let's take a quick break to talk about Legacy Box. It's a simple and affordable way to get your recorded moments digitally preserved on DVD or a thumb drive. You know, if you're like most Americans, there's a box in your closet of videotapes, film reels, photos, whatever. It's a box that you have not taken out in forever. It's a box that you have not grabbed the contents of and watched in a very long time. And guess what? Everything in that box is deteriorating. I actually have a closet filled with videotapes from high school and college because I was at a camcorder. 
and it includes dozens of incriminating 3 a.m. moments of my buddy's Jack Owen house. I really need to protect those things. I need Legacy Box. Here's how easy it is. Load Legacy Box with your old tapes, films, pictures, audio recordings, whatever. Send them back. Send it to Legacy Box. You'll get it back in a couple weeks on DVD or a convenient thumb drive ready to watch, share, and relive. Legacy Box takes care of everything, provides updates at every step of the process. That's why over 250,000 families have used them, and that's why the Huffington Post, Parents Magazine, USA, and The View are all talking about Legacy Box. Don't let your crappy videotapes decompose in your attic. Right now, go to LegacyBox.com slash BS, and you will get a 40% discount on your order. That's a pretty big discount. Once again, LegacyBox.com slash BS for 40% off. Back to my friend, Zach Lowe. So, Jazz Clippers... We're taping this on a Tuesday. They played Monday night, and the Jazz won. And the the gut reaction would be, "Oh, that's good. They've proved it." But it was. Did you watch that game? Because it was a little fluky. They made a lot of threes. I think they were fourteen for twenty one from three. They had a forty point quarter. It felt like the Clips were in control of the whole game, and the Jazz the Jazz defense the last four minutes just went up to a whole other level. And the crowd got into it, and the Clips collapsed a little bit, and the Jazz won. And yet, if I leave that game as a Clippers fan, I'm pretty encouraged because Chris Paul was fantastic. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I like the matchup for them, and I don't know if I'm going to leave that game thinking, oh, the Jazz have figured it out. Now they know how to, how to beat the Clippers. What did you see? Yeah, I, did, I didn't. That was not on my uh, my list last night, uh, but I did see the fourteen of twenty one stat, and I watched a little bit of a few minutes here or there. Yeah, you know, look, it's it's a, it's a good, it's an important was an important win for Utah to keep that number four seed and give themselves a shot to win the tiebreaker against the Clippers and sort of end the. I mean, they haven't beaten the Clippers more than one. They're I think they were one in sixteen in their last seventeen against yeah. the Clippers. Um, you know, it was it was. I thought you know the fact that. They held Blake to eight points or nine points or whatever when they were playing small. A lot of the game is interesting, but yeah, I, I wouldn't read. I wouldn't read too much into it. I think that would be an interesting series, and and um, favors availability and role in that series would be interesting. But uh, I would consider, you know, if Utah gets if Utah gets home court, that might be a toss up. If if the Clippers get it, they they I think would be favorites in that series. Like Paul has been Paul's last few last three games, he's been rolling, and to me, they are. They become. It's a weird thing, and you're you're the point guard guy. You love to talk about point guards and how they should and shouldn't play, and how like different styles of point guards. When he like looks to score like ten percent more, I think the Clippers become so much better. Like he plays a little faster, he pushes it a little more. They they're a little like less predict. I just think when he looks to score a little more, they're so much better. And like sometimes they're like you have games where it's like, does he even want to shoot? Like like shoot a little bit. Yeah, he does seem like he paces his his body for the season a little bit. I do think he could score 25, 26, 27 a game if he wanted to. You know, and I, I think he's got always has the odometer in the back of his head. What was interesting about last That's night, uh, first of all, they, they can't. I, I think George Hill is a, a good defensive player. They can't really match up with Chris Paul. But uh, they had Hayward. Well, if, George, if George if George Hill can't do it, then I'm not sure. It, then who can? I mean, George Hill is really really pretty damn good. Yeah. Well, and Chris Paul is Chris Paul. So he's if yeah. he's feeling it and he's 100 percent healthy, he's going to get to where he wants to go. What was interesting to me is they were they put Hayward on Griffin a couple times, and 
and I don't know, you know, big buff, more muscular than ever Gordon Hayward could, could kind of handle him. And it made me think like, I wonder if that's their destiny because they're playing Joe Johnson at crunch time with Hayward and the two guards and Gobert, and they could kind of survive going against Blake. And the other thing with the Clippers, I don't know what to make of them. There's been five different points of the season where it felt like they were completely falling apart. They don't seem like a happy team. <laughs> it's it's not a happy team to see in person. It is not. Uh, you, you wouldn't walk away from a home Clippers game going, "Wow, what chemistry on that team!" Wow, that those guys really love playing with each other. Like it's definitely there's a malaise and a little bit of an unhappiness with them when you watch them. And at the same time, um, they're really unpredictable in a good way. You know, like Austin Rivers can come in and just own a quarter. Jamal Crawford can come in like he did in the Boston game and just and just single handedly swing the game. And uh, and same thing with Reddick. He can get hot and Chris Paul could just score 40 points any night. Blake was awesome for a month straight. And it's it's the variables in a seven game series with that team, I think, are pretty scary if you're the other team, don't you think? Well, that's why I thought at the beginning of the year, you know, this was our best, are the league's best chance against in the West against a healthy Warriors team because they have now Houston has taken like the variability thing to to the largest possible yes. degree because they can just they might hit twenty five threes twice in a series, uh, but the Clippers at least like they they have an explosiveness to them and like if they get out on the break and start rampaging a little bit, like they can hang. With like, if you hang 120, they can hang 125. Like they have those nights and they have that explosiveness um, that I just I'm not sure the Spurs have enough of that in them. I'm not sure the Spurs have another gear. Um, the Spurs, the Spurs normal gear is plenty good enough. I don't know if they have another gear, but you know the Clippers. You know everyone, we've been dissecting the Clippers for five years now. It's it's like you know. It, we'll see what happens in the playoffs, but I think the Clippers are really good, and they're going to get trapped in a four-five series that is is going to be tough. And and maybe if they get lucky, they'll be outside the Warriors' bracket. You think they would? You think they would rather play the Spurs in round two if they made it than the Warriors, right? Because I, I mean, oh my God, have you seen any of those games? Like I'm, I don't I, even want to watch the Warriors Clippers anymore. It's it's just it's it makes me feel sad. I'm with you, but the infrastructure of the Spurs. I, I think they're screwed either way. I don't think they can beat either of those teams. Oh, they're underdogs, I, no question. But they can at least yeah. look to that series from two years ago and say, hey, look, when the Spurs were awesome and were one, you know, the, the Spurs lost the last regular season game that year to New Orleans and dropped like four spots in the yeah. seedings. Like that could have been the second or third seed. And we went toe to toe with them in a seven game series and came out like alive. Like I think they can at least cling to that against Golden State it's been like four years since they have anything to cling to like they they can't even cling to like a single digit loss anymore the thing I would cling to in a Golden State series is if Durant's not healthy of course I'm, I'm still very dubious of this Durant thing I have no evidence whatsoever I have no inside info I know nothing I just always get nervous and suspicious of knee injuries sprained knees I don't even know if there's a such thing as a sprained knee. What is a sprained knee? You can sprain your ankle. If you sprain your knee, doesn't that mean you either really stretched out your knee ligaments or you have like a partial tear or a tiny tear or whatever? It just makes me nervous. He's a, he's seven feet tall and basketball is a really demanding sport. And you get to the playoffs and you're playing every other day. And he's like, oh, he'll be back in four to six weeks. How many times have we seen the guy not come back in six weeks? How many times have we seen the guy come back as a 60% version of himself. 
I just need to see it. It's like it's almost like that year, and we were doing podcasts that year, the broken foot year, right? It's like, oh, he's broken foot. He'll be back in six weeks. Oh, it's now it's going to be seven weeks. Oh, Durant's back. Wait, he doesn't look the same. Oh, Durant's out again. I don't know. I think it's a huge variable. And if if, if I'm the Clippers, you know, and it's it's the choices play the Spurs or play the Warriors with a compromised Durant. Yeah, you might be right. You might again. We'll see, right? I mean, there's no. Yeah, it's a, we'll see. It's no the biggest variable of the season. I I really think like if Durant isn't at least. 85 to 90 percent I think that Warriors team could be beaten because I, I I just thought he did so much for them and it's putting such a stretch on on guys that just have not been in that situation before you know has as I can't remember has Zaza even been in the finals no he hasn't finals, right? has he even no. been in round three um I'm gonna say probably not to round three, almost certainly not to round three. But you, as a Boston fan, you know better than to mess with Zaza Pachulia in the playoffs, man. Come on, I know nothing easy, it's, nothing easy I, in Zaza's world. Him and Anthony Peeler did a lot of uh, demystifying uh, the KG, how tough KG was. Both of them, Anthony Peeler just punched KG, and Zaza headbutted him. And both times, KG, I don't know whether he was afraid of what he would do or whether it was like a Mike Tyson thing where you have to hit the bully once, but. Both times it kind of got to him. Uh, the Clippers, is this the last stand? Because people seem to be split on this. There's, you know, some some healthy Doc Rivers questions floating around in L.A., especially uh, uh, with the Bel Air Country Club and how many times a week he might be <laughs> golfing. Um, <laughs> there, uh, there, are some healthy, you know, there are some healthy Doc Rivers questions floating around the league, for sure. I, I think it's... It's about as healthy as it's ever been. I think I think the consensus around the league seems to be that if this ends badly this year, everyone is prepared for anything, right? It was short of Chris Paul leaving. The one thing I don't think will happen is I think Chris Paul, because of the money and because of the point of that he's at in his career, I think he re-signs for big bucks with the Clips and grabs that one last contract. Blake you mean and the, Doc, you mean I don't the know. Con- you mean the contract that he um, negotiated almost for himself? Well, actually, he's only thirty-one, so I don't know if it. Yeah, no, he would. He negotiated. He negotiated the over thirty-six rule to the over thirty-eight rule, which they just called a Chris Paul rule because I happen to be the president of the union and I happen to be up from a new contract when we do the, the new CBA. Phenomenal. Um, yeah. Um, great, great job by by Chris Paul. And look, it helps the old, it, it helps the old guys. It does tilt the scale further to like you know the young. Max guys who are the most productive guys in the league are relatively underpaid compared to the guys who are, you know, the worst contract in the league is the 37 year old dude who's not good anymore and makes the max. Um, I look, I, I'm going to use your preface before. Like I got no evidence. I got no hard evidence. I got no, like nothing but my feel for that team. If they lose in the first round or if they lose like just uncompetitively in the second round, I just don't think they're all coming back next year, and I think there will be a big change. I don't know what the change will be. Like it'll be a bigger change than JJ Redick leaving. I just don't see that. If they just get whitewashed in the second round, I I just don't see all those guys looking at each other and being like, you know what, let's run it back again. I I just don't see it happening. I don't know if it's Doc or Blake or like maybe they trade DJ. I have no idea. I just don't think though all the big guys are going to be back next year. It's amazing to think that Chris Paul and Blake Griffin became teammates about six months after we launched Grantland. That's how long it's been. I mean, it's year six. Six years is a long time. 
And if they can't even get to round three with those guys in six years, when you have two of, you know, at various points, they at a couple of years, they were two of the best 10 players in the league. Now I think the league is deeper and I, it's hard to say who the top 10, 12, 15 is. But yeah, I just, I, t- this feels like a this is it type of situation to me. I, I would watch a uh, I would watch a thirty for not to bring back bad memories, but I would watch a thirty for thirty short on the Clippers Rockets conference semifinals from two years ago. I, oh I still God. feel like, as much as I've digested it and talked to people who are in it and rewatched part of it, I still don't feel like we got the real story about what happened in that series. It, it's it's it's. I mean, you you do this these like retrospective lists better than I do. It to me, it's if it, I I don't know that I can think of four three or four more inexplicable crazy playoff series turnarounds in my lifetime I just I just it's it might be the craziest most inexplicable playoff series outcome that I can remember since I started covering the NBA I, maybe I, maybe there's an obvious one I'm missing I, I but that one was that's an all-timer I was at the game when it flipped and I've been lucky enough to go to uh, a bunch of amazing basketball games like and including ga- a couple games that have been on, you know, hardwood classics and all that stuff. I was at Bird Steel. I was at Magic's Junior Skyhook. I mean, I've been to some great ones. I've never seen a game flip like that in my life. I don't even know what you would compare it to. It's almost like I went to Red Sox Yankees two thousand four when when that game flipped, but that game really flipped on you know a walk. Dave Roberts steals second. An infield uh, or a hit through the infield, and Robert scores, and it it made sense. The Rockets were they they were done. We I was there with uh, the guy I shared Clippers tickets with my friend Mike Tolan, and we were watching the Rockets bench, and Harden like literally quit. Like he 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 was done. He was on the bench. He wasn't even standing up for the timeouts. He wasn't cheering on the team. Like hey, Mikhail benched him, and. When you think about that too, like and now Harden is, I think, gonna probably win the MVP unless something bad happens. What a fork in the road moment for him because if they lose that game, he's benched in the deciding game. What happens? Do they trade? Like that opens up all these James Harden questions. And instead, it flipped the other way, and then for it to flip on Josh Smith and Corey Brewer, where the guy, where the guys basically shot the lights out. One is out of the league, and one is like the eighth man for a team that is trying to lose as many games as possible in, in today's NBA. And I don't even, I, I really don't even totally think the Clippers choked because I think they had spent so much energy getting past the Spurs, and they had spent so much energy trying to get past the Rockets. Like just being at the game, Blake seemed like he was dead. Like they had, they almost like they had to carry him out off the court after the game. I had J.J. Redick here a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about it. He was saying, like, those guys were looking at each other in Game 7 in Houston. They're like, I just have no legs left. I'm done. And, you know, Pablo you Prigioni at- stole the ball from J.J. Redick, like, four times in that game. <laughs> right. The, uh, I, I'm sorry. Mean, I, I'm sorry, J.J. The, uh, the Doc Rivers not using the bench enough and really putting a ton of minutes on those guys was was the legacy of that series for me. I just think he he burned those he ran those guys into the ground. But you're right, that was the year because if they get past Houston, now you have Golden State in the finals, which at at that point they matched up well with them. Now it's it's been a lot more one sided. But yeah, I think this is 
unless we see something dramatically awesome this year, I think you could see Chris Paul and I mean uh, Doc Rivers and Blake being gone because the other the other variable for this summer is you're going to have teams at different levels of desperation. You're going to have teams with really good lottery picks to trade, and you have a team like Denver that's just dying to go all in on a second player to put with Jokic. And or a team like Phoenix that's just dying for a signature star to put with Book, with uh, Devin Booker. So who knows? I I think all those guys are are in play. Do you are you are you sold on Utah as a legit title contender or is just as a cute frisky playoff team that's not going to do anything? This season, cute frisky playoff team. Um, that's how I feel. Let's see. Yeah, no, they're not a title contender. No, they're 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 on an interesting path that gets. Very dicey if this summer goes badly for them, but they're a, they're a, they're a solid team. I just don't think their offense will be good enough for them to, to. I mean, no, they're not a contender. No, I love Gordon Hayward if he's the second best player on my team. I think when he's the best player on my team, I I just don't know how how you're in a season this year where you have vintage Harden, vintage Westbrook, vintage LeBron, uh, vintage Curry, Thompson, Durant. You just can't. You, if Gordon Haywood's your best guy that you're going to be trading haymakers with guys like that, you're in trouble. I think he's had a great season. I'm going to vote for him for either all NBA second team or third team. I don't know yet. But so who are you leaving uh, off? Who are you leaving off among the forwards? Because he probably ranks seventh. I guess maybe would you leave Durant off now if he misses too many games? Oh no, Durant's on. I Durant Durant made the cutoff for me for 59. I I sketched it out for me. Paul George isn't on the. He's not one of the six forwards. I don't think. I, I think Butler and Paul George are in kind of a death match for that for that last spot right now. So and you got if, here here here's what you got then. You got Butler, Giannis, LeBron, Durant, Anthony I have Giannis Davis. On there. I have Giannis on there. Butler, Giannis, LeBron, Durant, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi get yeah. you to six forwards right away. So that so Hayward's out if all six of those guys are on it. But I Unless I'm gonna vote in, in, I, I'm voting Davis for 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 my uh, first team All NBA center. Okay, I was going to say they, unless you monkey with the positions. Is it a full monkey though? I mean, he plays a lot of five for them, right? Now, I mean, now with Boogie, maybe less, but I don't mind monkeying. I, I to me, it's like Davis has to be on the first team. I'm just I'm just getting. Oh, modern. and Draymond. What about Draymond? That's the seven. I knew we were missing somebody. That's seven right there. So even if you move Davis. You got Butler, Giannis, LeBron, Durant, Kawhi, and Draymond. Good luck, my friend. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Do you have go? <laughs> do you have Gobert in there? I haven't thought about All NBA yet. I suspect he center is actually sneakily, you know, like Gasol, Cousins, Gobert. Um, there are cousins. some real get, get Cousins out of there. Just stop it. Take uh, him wow. out. Wow, yeah, I like that. That was exciting. Yeah. Now get him out. Win, how about this? Win, four, win 40 games once before we start talking about you with All-NBA. I don't care because well, you already blocked me on Twitter. I'll say whatever I want. I have Gobert, uh, like tw- I, and I think DeAndre is one of the most underrated guys in the league now. I, I think it's actually yep. became fashionable to overrate him, and now he's underrated. But I think Gobert is a better basketball player. Uh, and we didn't even mention uh, Towns. And my boy, everyone's, everyone's new favorite NBA player, Jokic, Nikola the Jokic. Joker, the Joker, uh, the Joker's in the mix for me. 
When you're putting up the 15, 13, 6 every game, here's another guy that nobody's mentioning and probably needs to be in this conversation. Whiteside is putting up 15 and 15 every night now. stop, 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 no. 15 and 15 every night? No? He's not in the conversation. He's 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 fine. Hassan Whiteside is fine. That team's Um, winning. They're winning. Jokic is gonna They're, Jokic is gonna lose forty eight to fifty games, and Hassan Whiteside is gonna be the seventh or eighth seed with Dragic and our dude Waiters Island. Actually, we got to talk about Waiters Island, but first we have to take a oh, quick break. Baby, quick, quick break. Let's take a quick break to talk about Delta Airlines. Have you ever been flying on a plane and said to yourself, "Man, I want to hop online and watch some movies or TV shows. This will be super easy." Nah, you've never said that. It's never easy. It always takes way longer than it should. And besides, you never feel good about putting your credit card info on a barely secure internet server for any reason. Well, I have some good news. If you download the GoGo Entertainment app before your next Delta Airlines flight, you are ready to roll. On those Delta flights, Delta Studio has access to every type of entertainment for every passenger. And it's 100% free. I'm talking about 1,000 hours of entertainment. And again, it's free. Choose from up to 300 movies, HBO, Showtime, 18 channels of live satellite TV and select flights, podcasts, thousands of songs, TV shows, games. Delta has even partnered with content partners, including HGTV, Refinery29, Food Network, Hulu Originals, Curious World Headspace, Disney XD, and more. Maybe they'll partner with The Ringer someday. Anyway, stream Delta Studio on your laptop, iPhone, iPad, or Android tablet device by downloading the GoGo Entertainment app. That's it. That's how easy it is. I want to take one more break to talk about propercloth.com. Every guy knows that it's hard to find a dress shirt that fits. Maybe the collar's too tight. Maybe the sleeves are too long. Maybe the shirt's too loose. I have some good news. Ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier thanks to proper cloth. All you have to do is create a custom shirt size in seconds by answering 10 easy questions. No measuring required. Over 500 fabric styles to choose from. Everything from classic business to casual shirts, all high quality, starting at just $85. And Proper Cloth has hundreds of five-star reviews on Google and Yelp. It's the highest-rated custom shirt maker on Google. Find out why GQ calls them their favorite online custom shirt maker. Go to their easy-to-use website, make a custom profile, order from your phone. By the way, Proper Cloth guarantees a perfect fit. Remakes are free, and the Proper Cloth team makes it super easy to do. So stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Look your best. Go to propercloth.com slash BS. Enter gift code BS and you will save $20 on your first shirt. Again, $20. Again, propercloth.com slash BS. Gift code BS. Back to the podcast. All right, we're back. We're postponing uh, the Western Conference for one second because uh, I was there anyone else on Waiters Island but you and I? Was there one person left? It was just the two of us, right? And I think we even made jokes about building rafts to get off of Waiters Island when things got bad. But maybe the waves, the waves just, just <laughs> the, the divine intervention from Poseidon just, just pushed us back and we could never get off. I'm not, maybe people in his family, maybe that's it. It was like Castaway. The, the, uh, the, uh, the ocean hadn't sent us a sail yet. So we tried to make a raft. Then the wave knocked us back and we we're just stuck on the island. And now it's. Now it's a tropical paradise. Now we have hotels. We have five-star hotels. We have, I, we have golf course. You, 
we 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 got everything. It's not a Trump golf course, though. I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> I I can't I can't tell you how many uh, NBA like real people who work for teams have sent me the joke about like, are you going to sell high on your Waiters Island property? Never, yeah. never, never. I'm never selling. It's too it's too fun. And it's right great. now, I'm there, like I couldn't sell. Now it's a twenty four seven party on Waiters Island. We think about it. He was really in the worst basketball situation for him, and we used to make fun of it because he's on this OKC team where they have two of the best offensive players of the last 25 years in the same team, and he's over in the corner holding his arm up, and it's, oh, it's hilarious. Deanne Waiters is open again. Deanne Waiters is a, is a explosive offensive player who just needed to have the ball and, and the chance to do stuff without being relegated to just standing in the corner. And when they signed him, Obviously, as a Waiters Island condo owner, I was intrigued. It's like this is this is good. This is Miami. They they lost Dwayne Wade. It's a team that might need scoring, and uh, I ne- I never imagined this. But anyway, we got we'll, we'll save that for another time. Let's go back to the Western Conference, San Antonio. This is gonna hurt. This is gonna hurt your feelings that I'm asking this. Ooh. It's going to hurt your feelings. And I am right. well aware of the offensive ratings, the per 100, all, all the advanced metric stuff. I get it. I've seen all the stats. Is this a little more smoke and mirrors than we want to admit? Uh, it doesn't hurt my feelings because I've said all year, I, I just don't think this team is as good as the metrics. I just They don't scare me as a team. And I've had many conversations with this from uh, with execs from a lot of other teams saying, like, I increasingly just feel like an idiot because I keep thinking this and watching them and thinking I, I, there's something about them that doesn't frighten me as a playoff opponent, and, and they keep winning. They keep winning by a lot. Like, I was in the last time I saw them, a person was in Detroit – against a team that's just dying to make the playoffs. All the Pistons want to do is get in the playoffs. And yeah. they – and they, I believe Manu didn't play that game. And they sat a couple – I don't remember who they – they sit people every game. You never see the full Spurs. And it was like – it it was like the Spurs were just from a different league. Like there was a different league of better teams, and they sent one of their teams over to the NBA to play an exhibition against like a random average NBA team. And they it was like just – completely outclass the Pistons just like different class of team they're so freaking good and they leave me a little bit like maybe it's like we're going to get to the playoffs and like I'm not sure David Lee is going to be able to guard in the playoffs I'm not sure Dwayne Dedman's going to be able to be on the floor this much in the playoffs because we've seen what happens to centers who you know and it's not fair to say he doesn't do anything offensively because he's like a mini DJ Tyson Chandler prototype who does that offensively and that's very valuable I, I just think they have guys that I don't trust as much when they're playing an elite team, four and seven. They can uh, that team can scout and exploit and tinker with stuff. But that said, like, who's going to beat them in the West? You know, if they if even if they don't have another gear, even if all those things that I just said turn out to be true, who's beating them? So, the Warriors. The, that- the Warriors, if they're healthy, yes. The Warriors, if they're healthy, yes. Like, any anyone else? Look, to, show me a team in the West is like, oh, they're they they can be even if this, the B plus Spurs or A minus Spurs or all the Spurs are like that. That's better than everyone. I love Houston, so we're going to talk about them after this. And I think okay. Houston could beat them. But the thing that would that's worry fair. me, if I'm a Spurs fan, the thing that would worry me is that other than Kawhi, who's been out of his mind this year, and I. It, He's he's just 
I think he's the best defender. I think he's the best perimeter defender I've ever seen in my life. I, I was thinking about it. I was talking with, with uh, Hershey, who you know, my buddy. And I was like, I always thought Pippen, mid-90s Pippen was at this level that I was just never going to see again as just somebody that could guard any type of person and just be like, oh, I'm going to shut you down now, and that's it. The guy was done. Kawhi is, I think, better than Pippen was, and I can't believe I'm saying that. I've never – what co- like I don't know if you saw the San Antonio-Minnesota game when Kawhi was just like, oh, Andrew Wiggins is doing pretty well. I'm going to just ruin his career for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> Please keep giving him the ball. Every time you give him the ball, I'm going to destroy him. It's going to be a huge mistake. Oh, you're giving the ball again. This is great. I'm going to destroy him again. It was unbelievable. Andrew Wiggins is a really good offensive player. He's scoring like 22 to 25 a night, and Kawhi just demolished him. So I'm just starting there. Like He's playing out of his mind, so it makes sense they're a contender. But then you go through the rest of the guys. Who is better in 2017 than they were three years ago. Just go down the line. Like LaMarcus Aldridge, assuming he comes back. Well, well and I was going to say, his health, is, his health is the big the big thing hovering yeah, over this that we forgot X-factor. to mention already. I mean, that, that, it's like the Durant thing. If he's playing, yeah. if he's not playing, this is a different conversation. Right. But he's was just a much better basketball player three years ago. He's a better scorer. He's a better rebounder, the whole thing. Their point guards are not nearly as good as they were three years ago. I think Patty Mills is probably the same, but Parker has deteriorated, to say the least. Manu is at the tail end. Um, Pau Gasol, David Lee. You just go on down the line, it's like, who's peaking? Who And, it, and then on top of it, uh, you know, who's their five? When, let's say it's game seven, there's five minutes left. Who are the five that's out there, Right. Who like just tell me who your who you think their five would be? They're down two, coming out of a timeout. They're in Golden State. What five guys are out there for them? Well, the interesting thing about them is, um, that obviously for years they've preferred to play two bigs at all times. So if that's the case, it's it's probably for me. It's probably going to be depending on what they need from point guard: Patty Mills, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard. And Lamarcus and and I I still think when push comes to shove they're probably going to play Powell over Deadman and over David Lee, but the card that just in the regular season you just it, it appears like in random games just ra- like randomly maybe the other team goes small and they do it the Kawhi at four thing it's just like there's no rhyme or reason to when to when pop you know breaks in case of emergency that that kind of lineup I've always been intrigued by it. I'm generally intrigued by small ball anyway, and it just—it's just it. There, like I said, there doesn't seem to be any pattern to win and where and how, and it's not a big part of what they do. But in the right matchup, Mills, Green, Ginobili, Mills, Green, Simmons, Kawhi, whatever you want to get to it with Lamarcus at the five is is a lineup that um, we just we haven't seen much, but that could work. I think that's the lineup that I would expect to see. I think Manu's out there. I think it's. I think it's Mills, Manu, Green, Kawhi at the four, and Lamarcus, and that's and that's when your season's on the line. I think you play those five, and and Kawhi, you basically you play Kawhi at center. I don't think it really matters. Just play Kawhi, shut down that guy, and that guy's not going to score again. But uh, but yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I really like Houston. You know, and I don't want to overreact to the Cleveland game because they played well. They needed the win. It's it's Sunday night, you know. It's it's always easy to overreact to a national game, things like that. But man, if if they're going to get Nene going, and you have Nene and Beverly out there, who are, are two world class agitator, 
kind of the kind of guys you want in the playoffs. They're a little nasty edge to them. But they they played crunch time against Cleveland. They had Eric Gordon on the bench. They had Lou Williams on the bench. Like those guys would be playing crunch time for I would say most of most of the good teams. They're just deep. They got you know, they have options, they have flexibility, and they have a guy who's just having a magnificent season. And then they have the variables that we talked about earlier where they're taking 43s a game and they're making 15. That's the team that scares me. That's the team, if I'm Golden State, I don't want to play Houston because I can't control the variables. Does that make sense? The interesting, Yeah, no, and to go back to the Spurs thing, you know, when we say, like, there are these cliches, like, we don't know if they have another gear, um, blah, blah, blah. I, I think what when people talk about the Spurs that way, we have this image of, like, they got into the playoffs and they faced the Thunder. Now they've faced the Thunder three times in the playoffs, lost twice. And they were very clearly sort of overwhelmed by the Thunder's athleticism. Like all of a sudden they looked yep. a little old and all the polish and execution and ball movement and stuff sort of like fell away when presented with very large, fast, young people who could jump high. And that was real. That was a real thing. The Spurs will talk to you about that. Like, yeah, you know, that was that was really hard for us to deal with. We're just kind of not built that way. And if you take away some of our execution, then then yeah, and you and you turn it into a one on one game at the end of the shot clock, we're not gonna win that way against a team that's so athletic like that. There there is I'm not sure what that team is in this year's Western Conference now that the Thunder are gone. Like Houston is a different kind of explosive and a different kind of fast. And I think the Spurs can keep up with that. I don't think that overwhelms them. So I think just to clarify for Spurs, like that's I think what people th- think about in their minds when they th- say the Spurs maybe don't have another gear or the game changes in the playoffs blah 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 like they'll I don't know that that kind of kryptonite exists anymore in the West and the Spurs have always been the team to borrow a wrestling term that puts the the new up-and-coming contender over and <laughs> uh, and it's been going back to like the Dallas Phoenix era where you know, to to get over the hump, the Spurs are kind of the first obstacle to win the WWE title. And I wonder if this year it's gonna that's the Rockets. Like, all right, Rockets, are you legit? Get past Popovich. Go do it. The guy's been there for twenty years. Everybody's been trying to beat him and he's gonna give you a great series. Can you beat this team? And if they beat that team, that's when it gets interesting. But man, I can't believe how good Harden is. And he went from being probably my least favorite superstar other than Dwight Howard to watch game to game. I was so bored of just spread the floor and he goes one-on-one and tries to get fouled. It was just excruciating. And now it's like delightful. (laughs) I really, I really enjoyed it. I had no idea that he was this good of a passer. Like I really think he's on the LeBron level as, as a passer slash creator. The, 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 the shots that he's finding guys and the sneaky little backdoor passes and behind the, all the stuff like, He's a brilliant basketball player, and, and I can't believe I never in my wildest dreams imagined he would be half as good as he's been, you know, when you go back to, like, the Harden trade. When they made the Harden trade, it's like, oh, man, that guy might be the next Manu Ginobili. That's a mistake. And it's like he's way better than Manu Ginobili. I love Manu, but um, I just never imagined he would get to these heights. Did you? Um. I don't think anyone saw this, but I mean, I don't. I'm 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 not as surprised by most people about his passing. I mean, he's always been a great passer, and he just has the ball more now, and he has more shooting around him. And I think he's recalibrated recalib- his game a little bit to be a little bit more pass first or pass more quickly when he gets around a screen, and less dicking around with the ball. But yeah, I mean, he's always been a brilliant, a brilliant passer. I think what's 
what separates him from a Ginobili or what maybe has has not it's not surprising but it just keeps it keeps lasting is his strength and his durability like he never misses games he's yep. just relentless in terms of like he'll take it to the rim 10 times in a row it doesn't matter if you foul him every single time foul him hard like he's still going to come and like that's like that physical power and endurance is really really un- it's it's like it's it's like a mortal version of LeBron I mean it's it's he's very similar in that sense like he just he just keeps coming Westbrook is like that too. Westbrook had that one knee injury that time, and then they sent him back to the factory, and they replaced some of his parts and sent him back out in the real world again. And he's been fine ever since. But yeah, when when you always have the you have these different stats that compare guys from eras, and you know it can be PR, it could be win shares, all this different stuff. The durability is the part that they've never really figured out how to factor in. When you have somebody like Carden who just game after game is going to get to the free throw line 10 to 12 times and he's going to play 38 minutes and he's going to do everything. And then he's going to come back and do it again the next night and four games in five nights and, you know, 16 times in 30 days, LeBron, the same thing, LeBron's durability. You, you could make a case as the single most incredible achievement in the history of the league. I really, I really believe that. Like the guy has never ever missed an extended stretch in his entire career. It's impossible. Like even Kareem broke his hand once punching Kent Benson, you know. Like LeBron just <laughs> every year plays nine months a year and maybe takes. He took two weeks off that first year with Cleveland when he went to Miami, but other than that, D, I don't, I don't ever remember him disappearing. And it's just year fourteen, still cranking him out. Guys playing thirty eight minutes a game this year. It's it's unlike anything we've ever seen. Superhuman, and I'm with you. I think Harden, Harden to me is is at least as reliable from a durability standpoint. What what is the Dwight Howard factor though with this? Is it just your team is just going to automatically better be better as soon as you get rid of Dwight Howard? I mean, I they've been pretty open about that uh, about just like Dwight wanted the ball. Wanted the ball in the post, didn't want to set screens and roll all the time. That annoyed James Harden. They were annoyed with each other. Neither of them is really great at being like a direct contra- confrontational person. So it just sort of like lingered like a fart in the locker room all year long. And then the fart <laughs> left. And all of a sudden, all the centers were like, I don't really care if you pass me the ball other than Ali Oops. That's fine with me. And yeah. the weird thing is, like, Dwight doesn't really post up in Atlanta either. Like, once in a while when he's on with the second unit, they'll dump it to him and he'll miss a jump hook. And you're like, it's not It's not like he went to Atlanta and all of a sudden it's it's like – 2011 Dwight again getting six or seven post touches a game um it's 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 weird but yeah maybe it it was just sort of a was just sort of a lingering tension which is one of those locker room things that's very hard to quantify or or really get unless you start talking to people about it that's my specialty as you know being the body language doctor dude now now you're in now you're in my part of the office um this is what really bothers me about Dwight is that the same thing's going to happen with his career near the tail end um, that has with Vince Carter. And I don't think I haven't noticed that you're on the Vince Carter, driving the historical Vince Carter bandwagon. Vince Carter. I wrote a whole column about his yeah, Hall of Fame candidacy for a yeah. website called grantland.com. I remember. Vince Carter, the revisionist history that will happen with him, and it's already happening, I'm already watching it. I just know, I, I happen to be alive during the Vince Carter prime, and I happen to watch him quit <laughs> on the Toronto Raptors. And I happen to watch him. I happen to watch him at no point in his career, other than once, was he one of the top ten players in the league? 
during during a time when it really was you know was not exactly a talent boom to say to say the least um and then goes to Orlando as the missing piece in the 2010 Magic did nothing I don't know I I, I think we're going to look back at Dwight this way too I think you can absolutely make the case and it's been made and I think I've even made it that he's the best center sh- since Shaq but other than 09 it was really impossible to to do really anything meaningful if he was your best player because of all the reasons we just talked about. He never totally understood, oh, here's what I have to do to help my team win. He just had this blockheaded mentality of, I need the ball in the low post. I need I need a, I need to shoot a jump hook off the top of the backboard. I haven't shot a terrible jump hook in three minutes. Like he just never never got it. He never understood it. And he's been one of the most frustrating players I've ever watched. I know you agree with that at least. Well, I just wonder what would uh, what would have happened had he won the MVP in 2011. What does that do to his? Which I I thought he was the MVP of the league that year. Um, what would that do to his Hall of Fame case? And Derrick Rose, who won it that year, is probably going to be the only MVP not to make the Hall of Fame um, in mm. NBA history. Um, I you know I don't Dwight. I I thought in 2010 the Magic were the best team in the NBA, and um, and and obviously the Celtics upset them in the in the playoffs in the conference finals and Vince missed some crucial free throws in game one of that series and that was sort of oh yeah oh yeah okay yeah key free throws with like 30 seconds to go and the the magic kind of got punched and and wobbled and then lost game two and got blown out in game three and then it was hopeless um yeah and then I to me I don't know that I don't know that what's happened with Dwight is any more complicated than he got a back injury and a shoulder injury and his body started breaking apart and he just isn't the same guy. And and Dwight without the without the like you watch some Dwight post ups from twenty eleven, he would just get the ball, turn around and dunk. Like Shaq. Like he would just right. like jump kind of like jump over and around you and dunk and you'd be like, Okay, what the hell am I supposed to do about that? Like he has no moves, it doesn't even matter. And you took that away and it's like Okay, he's a nice player, and that's he's a nice player who wants to do stuff that's a little outside his skill set now. I voted for Rose in 2011, mainly because out of a lack of respect for Dwight. And I don't even know if it was the right choice. I just felt like Rose had such a scoring burden on that team that if he, in the last five minutes, he was really the only guy who was going to do anything. And uh, I don't know. I'd have to look back. I think the numbers are so much better now. It'd be interesting to to look back and see if the numbers, the advanced stuff kind of held up. Like I I was shocked, like researching the Westbrook column that I wrote last week, just like some of the, how high his usage rate numbers were compared to things that I thought would have had an equally high usage rate. We've never seen anything like this Westbrook season. Quickly, we got to, we got to talk about OKC really quick. Um, Yeah. So, they basically stole Taj Gibson from the terrible Chicago Bulls front office. That is just, I, I, I don't know if they're trying to intentionally sabotage the team or if it's just complete incompetence, but they, uh, they added Taj Gibson. I don't know if McDermott can help them. They're a great rebounding team. They have a great player. They have a pretty good home court advantage. They're a terrible three point shooting team. But if they can improve that part and if Westbrook can scale it back a little and get these other guys more involved and if Canner can get going off the bench, is there anything dangerous about that team to you? Uh, 
well, are we assuming they get they're going to get six and play Houston or seven and play the Spurs or Warriors? Does it matter to you? I, I don't think they're particularly think, dangerous against either of those opponents. Okay, I think they're, they're going to get they're, six. They're, they're a they're a solid team. I think they're going to get six too. They're solid. They're solid. They just don't have enough shooting, and um, you know, I'm not sure Billy Donovan has enough. Is he going to play McDermott and? Uh, Arbenes enough to to really Arbenes enough to move the needle in their shooting, um, but I will say this: I don't want to hear anymore about how like it's Russell Westbrook and a bunch of D League dudes. Like the way people talk, I, I saw even last night on the TNT game. I don't know, maybe it wasn't. I don't know, somewhere on one of the games last night they had the poll up on the on the screen and it was like should Ru-, and the question was like should Russell Westbrook, is Russell Westbrook the MVP? No, it was on ESPN today actually. I walked by it in the office. It's like is Russ? Do you agree with so and so who said Russell Westbrook's the MVP because he has no one around him? I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Like Victor Oladipo is no one. Stephen Adams, everyone was talking about what a great player Stephen Adams was in the playoffs last year. He's no one now. Taj, like I get that they're not like offensive players, and it's hard to build an offense around these guys. But like we need, it, it's not like it's not like Russell Westbrook and the real Grand Valley Vipers are are like the sixth seed in the Western Conference. Like stop and I would be pissed off if I kept hearing I'm, I'm nobody. I suck. I'm like I'm Victor Oladipo yeah. as the number two pick in the draft. I suck. That Oladipo Adams, I, we left the playoffs last year thinking he was going to be like a special young center. I think Canner is one of the single best guys coming off the bench uh, as a post-up guy that anybody has. I like uh, potentially the the Gibson at Sabonis has moments. I, I agree with you. And that, that was one no, of the they're... reasons I wrote the piece last week is like I, I think – the fact that they haven't figured out a way to involve those guys a little bit more, like Oladipo to me, I'm amazed he's putting up the stats that he's even put up because he never has the ball. And when he does have the ball, it's like the play that Westbrook, like Donovan clearly told Westbrook, don't shoot this play, let Oladipo have a play. So the defense always, it's like, oh, here's the Oladipo play. This is going to be, we know he's going to have to shoot. Um, but I think he's had a good season. I think he's a really good player. And uh, and I'm with you. I think their supporting gas is better than people realize. Well, but, but then we only named Oladipo and Adams. And I think I think there's something like and Gibson just got there, and Robertson is good for what he is. But I mean, well, he's it, he's free fall this year offensively. I yeah, think that's yeah, that's like, hurt them. Can't, can't shoot free throws, and people leave him so open. Like you know, Singler doesn't play. Grant doesn't play. Canner is he is like Canner is like one of those. Um, He's like one of those smelly cheeses. Like some people really like smelly cheese, and some people think it's just like disgusting. I, we 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 are on the opposite side of the can or smelly cheese. I just I just I I have I just have a personal distaste for his game. It's just uh, and Sabonis after a good first six weeks of the season has fallen apart. So they're not yeah they're not that deep. And and I get why people say nobody's there, but it's like we we do these things in the MVP race. Like I you know there's been some columns that have come out recently. Like oh. Defense doesn't matter. Shouldn't matter is in the MVP race. Russell Westbrook's the MVP. No, like defense matters. It matters that the Spurs have the best defense in the league. Like that helps them win a lot of NBA basketball games in the regular season and the playoffs. And like Kawhi Leonard is probably the main reason they have the best defense in the league. And I think Adams is a really good player. And that's been disappointing for me that they haven't figured out a way to kind of vault him to another level. I'm with you. The 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 de- the defense doesn't matter argument i don't even understand that one it's defense usually wins the title <laughs> i just don't so, like when i get told i don't like when i get told that the mvp is this person and if you think it might be another person you're just a moron i, just, I yeah. don't okay cool like um that's cool whatever especially Sorry. this year 
especially this year where we have four really good candidates. I mean, we have, I always had that running joke in NBA comms about how the, the MVP trophy should weigh different. It should have different weights depending on how good the season was and how good the race was. So you have like the 2011 season that was like a five pound trophy. You know, this is like a 40 pound trophy this year. This is like one of those. It's really, it's almost like the Stanley cup. It's gigantic. It's weighted. <laughs> like if you went, if you're the MVP in 2017 and you beat like Russell Westbrook's triple double and Kawhi having one of the most ridiculous two way seasons in the history of the league and LeBron doing all the stuff he's doing. If you're Harden, you beat those three guys to win this MVP. That's a 40 pound trophy. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, Houston. I, do, I Houston, don't. I don't think the Thunder are dangerous, though. Sorry, I don't think they're dangerous. Oh, you're preaching the choir. I'm just trying to drum up any interest in round one. Really, it looks like we're only going to have Utah and the Clippers. Although Westbrook going into uh, John Wick mode against the uh, who, whoever the three seed is going to be, that'll be fun at least. Because I know he's like trying to share the ball a little bit more now and all that stuff. But when we get to the playoffs, he's going to be like a lot, a lot of John gear. wick reference, a lot of John wick I, references coming from the ringer. John, John wick is not Jack Reacher, right? Those are different people. Oh my God, Zach. This is, this just I, tells me John, that John wick is Keanu, is, is Keanu Reeves. John wick is Keanu Reeves. And he's another guy who beats a lot of people up. Can you see Why John is everyone wick? talking about John wick? Why? Why? Can you rent John wick? Just take an hour and a half out of your time over the next basketball, like during a day when there's like three a three game night, something like that. Just watch John Wick and then go see John Wick too, and then get then you'll understand. Okay, you'll understand. All right, I'll, I'll think I'll, that'll be that'll be a good that'll be a good sell to the wife. Hey, honey, instead of watching the NBA tonight, <laughs> let's let's queue up John Wick on the DVR. Let's queue up John Wick on demand. Maybe you'll love it. Wizard. It's an action. It's an action movie with Keanu Reeves. You'll love it. Maybe she likes oh, Keanu hey, your Reeves. Bir- your birthday's co- your birthday's coming up in ten days. Let me let me let, let's instead of a date night, maybe let's have, let's watch John Wick together. What are the Croatian uh, basketball player power rankings right now? Uh, well, I got. Let me. I don't want to. I don't want to forget any of them. But Saric, Saric is is Saric number one. Am I missing an obvious Croat? I Dragic has been. Is Dragic Serbian or Dragic Croatian? is Dra- Dragic is Slovenian. Um, okay. It gets tricky. It gets tricky. Um, and thank you for saying Dragic. You're for some reason Vucevic brings out the worst in you. You just I, can't get. It, it's Vukovic every time. Thank God Dragic you got. How about um, Bogdanovic? Bogdanovic. It's always itch. It's always itch. Bogdanovic is Bogdanovic is surging. He's Croatian. Um, Hizonia, I would have to probably say is last, unless we include Roko Ukic, oh, who's not in the league anymore. Um, uh, Bender, ben, I guess ben, I guess Bender's last. I guess Bender's last just by virtue of being a, a DNP injured. Um, oh man, Nurkic I, is uh, Nurkic is Bosnian, Jokic is Serbian, and I'm, we may be forgetting someone. But I guess Saric right now, Rookie of the Year. And also, I love Mark Stein. Mark Stein and our boys. You cannot vote Joel Embiid Rookie of the Year. Where do you stand on the Joel Embiid Rookie of the Year? I mean, Joel Embiid himself forfeited it the other night. Like you just the guy played thirty one games. I'm sorry. Part of being in the NBA is playing in the NBA. Like you just, I just, I, I don't, I can't get there. Not only was it just thirty one games, but it was like what eight hundred minutes. I, I'm I sorry that part. I'm. I. It was very exciting. It's a, he's by far the best member of this class of rookie eligible guys. Like, but it's not even close. 
The rest of the they we're talking about a guy who who is, is Saric is was drafted three years ago or two years ago, and Brogdon is going to finish second. Maybe Jalen Brown is making a late push, so you have a second round pick and the number three mm. pick who was out of the rotation for a little bit. I get that these are not inspiring choices, but I'm sorry that it would like being it would be like being uh, voting for writer of the year to a guy who wrote half a column. You just, you just have you got to play. It's part of the game. You just have, you have to play. I, I don't know how we got to oh the Croats. That's how the Croats. That's how we got on this. Give Dario Saric rookie of the year. I I would urge everyone to keep an eye on Jalen Brown and the on the Celtics and what he's been up he's, to lately. He's good, man. He belongs. He's a good player. He's, he's yeah, not he's, Croatian though. He's not Croatian, but he's he's playing 25 minutes a game now, and Stevens is having trouble keeping him off the court in the fourth quarters. And I don't know. I There's some Paul George, Jimmy Butler level type of potential with him as a two-way guy, I think. I, I love every check mark he's passed so far this year. So you have four or five weeks left. If he's going to play 25 minutes a game the rest of the way and he's going to keep making 40-plus from three, and keep highlight films there, highlight plays during the game. That's going to add up, I think. I, th- I think he has the best chance. Sarge, though, I think that one's been getting yet another hinky, right? Hinky, yeah. Hinky's been yeah. vindicated. Uh, we'll but see, that was we'll see if good any one. of them. We'll, we'll see if any of them play. Like, yeah, it'd be I, nice I think, if they played. Yeah. Oh, I had one last question for you, and then I know you have to go. Um, is Boogie Cousins on New Orleans next year? Uh yeah, I'll say I'll say yes. Um well I bet they're gonna trade him. Can we leave the door open? All right. I you can always leave it with look, you can they're they've been a train wreck since they got him and they're gonna miss the playoffs, so you can leave any door you want open, but I think I think on the order of like potential franchise changes in the offseason, that's at least below firing the coaches uh in likelihood. Yeah. Uh the interesting thing is they if he makes all NBA and they have cap room. They have to at least try to extend him, I think. And if he says no to that, that'll be interesting. Um, they may not have cap room, depending on what happens with Drew Holiday. But uh, I, 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 I'll say yes. You say you say open. The door's open for you. Yeah, I think I think that Lakers pick. If the Lakers get, if the Lakers can keep their pick and and it's a top three, and it's not there's there's Fultz and Ball are the top two, and then it drops off a little bit after that with guys that are really good. But, like, let's say they got the third pick. I could see them flipping it to uh, to New Orleans for Boogie. So, you know. you're the Lakers, right? The the Pelicans just got DeMarcus Cousins for Buddy Heald. And let's say it ends up being the eighth pick in the draft or something like yeah. that. Um, and uh, guys who are not going to matter long term. And then the Pelicans stink for the rest of the year. Not necessarily because of Demarcus Cousins or whatever; they just stink. He doesn't he doesn't lift them to a new level. You look at that and say his trade value has increased to being the third pick and like and and maybe one of my young players. Like I just don't. I, I get that the Lakers looked at him and it appears, according to Ramona Shelburne, to have been part of why um, yes. the communication, uh, part of why those guys Mitch and, and Jim were out so suddenly then. Um, but I just don't think you can look at that and say let's offer a, let's offer something better. I don't maybe I don't know maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the Lakers will do it anyway to to get a star in there. But that's just me. I, you could argue number eight, Buddy Heald, and that one of the top picks of the second round might be better than the third pick in this draft. I don't know. 
it, it really depends on how it washes out. The, the New Orleans Sacramento part of this whole and Philly and, and all the chicanery that could happen with those picks, you know, if Sacramento gets in the top three and Philly gets seven, Philly could just swap picks with them, which I don't think people fully realize. Sacramento could win the lottery and have to flip the pick to Philly because of that ridiculous Daskus trade. And then you have the Lakers, you know, when, when that card, the, the Lakers are going to have the second worst record. So right around pick five, when the envelopes are being unfolded, if that Lakers envelope is five or four, that's gone. That goes to Philly too. So there's, there's a scenario where Sacramento could win the lottery. Philly could get like third and then the Lakers envelope could be fourth or fifth. They could have three of the top five picks. Oh no, they could no. They'd have to swap. No, they one swap. I'm sorry, they swap. They, they could they have. Get, they don't get both. Yeah, yeah, I screwed that up. But they could have, depending on how it all shakes out. I mean, they could have pick one. They have a better chance at pick one than normal. But then they could have four or five. I mean, they have two of the top five picks in the best draft of the decade. The basketball so. gods. The basketball gods have a big day in May whenever the lottery is because we're going to see what the basketball gods yeah. think about some stuff like I think the basketball gods have to consider punishing Sacramento for making one of the all-time worst NBA trades and not understanding the rules and the, we'll see what the basketball gods think of the Lakers uh, firing their lottery representative PR guy John Black who who did so well in previous lotteries for them um, mm. you know I that's that is uh you know he he protected this pick twice already. He's clutch, clutch with those ping pong balls. He like he like makes a really good fist under the table when things go well for the Lakers. Like I don't, I don't know who they're gonna send, man. I don't. That's the I'm talking about the back room, the secret room. Like he's he gets the job done in there. Yeah, and the and by contrast, the Celtics have just never found that guy. Maybe they should hire John Black, or maybe hire him as a consultant for the ping pong Ooh, thing. I like that. I that'd like be that. yeah, that'd be ballsy stealing from the Lakers. Well, be, I can't wait for the lottery. It's I it's the be- I think it's the best lottery since uh, the Durant Odom one. Why don't you come? Not- come to New York. Come to the lottery. I I'm gonna be a mess. Are you kidding me? I'm gonna. This is if the Celtics can get one of those top two. It's a, it's this is it. Like if they got faults, that guy's gonna be. But you just got to view it as like, this is such a huge win anyway, even if it falls to four. Like, this is all like, it's not quite gravy, but it's pretty damn close. You got come for the lottery. It's so fun. It's You get to hobnob with all the NBA higher ups and the agents and the players. And then maybe you can get in the secret room, which is not even that secret anymore. There's like 20 reporters in there now. <laughs> you'll just, you'll have yeah. a great time. It's not a secret. Um, Zach Lowe, this was fun. I missed it. Uh, stay safe in the blizzard. We can read you on ESPN.com. It hurts to say that, but that's where you are. That's where your pieces are. And your podcast, The Low Post, still chugging along. Um, any any good guests this week on The Low Post? Uh, I had Kevin Arnovitz yesterday. Oh, we'll what's see. he up to? We'll see. Uh, talk. We talked about the playoff races, and, uh, and uh, we hit a bunch of teams yesterday, but... Uh, yeah, we'll okay. see. We'll see what the rest of the week on the Low Post brings. All right. Yeah, subscribe to the Low Post if you're not already. This was fun. I miss you. Talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks so much to Zach Lowe. Thanks to SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor. Don't forget to go to SeatGeek.com or, or download the free SeatGeek app. Thanks to Proper Cloth. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start wearing custom shirts that fit perfectly because you created them by answering just 10 easy questions. Bring Proper Cloth into your life. Proper Cloth. 
Guarantees a perfect fit. Remakes are free. The Proper Cloth team makes it super easy to do. Go to propercloth.com slash BS. Enter gift code BS and you can save $20 on your first shirt. Again, propercloth.com slash BS. Gift code BS. And thanks again to Delta. Download the GoGo Entertainment app before your next Delta Airlines flight. You are ready to roll. On those Delta flights, Delta Studio has access to every type of entertainment for every passenger, and it's 100% free. I'm talking about 1,000 hours of entertainment. And again, free. Stream Delta Studio on your laptop, iPhone, iPad, or Android tablet device by downloading the GoGo Entertainment app. And that's it. Thanks to the Ringer University podcast. Don't forget to listen to Titus and Tate all week on the Tita podcast as they walk you through every single step of March Madness. Don't forget about TheRinger.com. Don't forget about Pearl Jam's 25th anniversary. Go to PearlJam.com to find out more because things are about to heat up this spring. And we'll be back later in the week with two more podcasts, including one guest that I've never had on the podcast before, which should be a fun one. I don't want to spoil it, but it's an owner. Yeah, it's a professional sports owner is on this podcast. You'll have to wait and see. Thanks again to Zach Lowe. It was great to have him on. See you soon.